we turn in God's word to the book of Lamentations. Lamentations is between Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Lamentations chapter 3. We shall read the first 36 verses. Lamentations chapter 3. I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me is he turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. He hath builded against me and compassed me with gall and travail. He hath set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. Also, when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He hath enclosed my ways with hewn stone. He hath made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a bear lying in wait and as a lion in secret places. He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. I was a derision to all my people and their song all the day. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence because he hath borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth in the dust. If so be, there may be hope. He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. 
he is filled full with reproach. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he doth not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men, to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside the right of a man before the face of the Most High, to subvert a man in his cause, the Lord approveth not. Thus far we read God's holy word. We consider for the text this morning, verses 22 and 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Beloved, the book of Lamentations is an appendix, if you will, to the prophecy of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the prophet, wrote both books, Jeremiah and Lamentations. In his prophecy, Jeremiah prophesies the coming of judgment upon Judah for all of her sins. And then in the book of Lamentations, the prophet who lived through that affliction describes it and he reacts to it and his reaction is to write this book of lamentations he laments to lament is to express in words the misery and sorrow of your heart and here the prophet jeremiah having seen the destruction of Jerusalem, having lived through the coming of the Babylonians to Jerusalem, expresses the sorrow of his heart in a book of lamentations. And yet, in the midst of all of that misery described in this book of the lamentations, Jeremiah has Hope. Notice verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. And what does he recall to his mind, beloved? He calls to his mind the same thing that we call to our minds the mercy of and the faithfulness of Jehovah God. Notice then, faithful Jehovah's unfailing compassion. Faithful Jehovah's unfailing compassion. Notice first the meaning, and then the circumstances, and finally the demonstration. As Jeremiah laments his misery, he thinks about God. He remembers who God is. He calls to mind God's attributes or God's perfections. 
And two attributes or perfections he mentions here, God's mercy and God's faithfulness. There are two words for mercy in the text. One is rendered mercies and the other is rendered compassions. Mercy in the Old Testament is God's pity upon the miserable. God's pity upon the miserable. When you think of mercy, think of misery or miserable. Someone who is miserable needs mercy. God's mercy is his pity upon the miserable. And then it is God's attitude by which he desires to deliver his miserable people from their misery. And then it is God's sovereign, effectual power actually to deliver his people from misery. It's God's pity. It's God's attitude or disposition. And it is also God's power. And then to add to that, to do justice to the idea of this word mercy, we can add the word covenant. It is God's covenant mercy. This is, after all, Jehovah's mercy. It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed, he says. Jehovah's mercy means that Jehovah looks down upon his people who are miserable and he pities them. He resolves to deliver them from that misery and then he actually delivers them from that misery. And God's mercy then to us is God choosing us in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world and God declaring to us, I will be your God and you will be my people. And since this is Jehovah's mercy, it is an eternal, unchanging, unchangeable mercy so that the objects of that mercy can never be destroyed can never go lost, and we can never be plucked out of the hand of that merciful God. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. The other word is compassion. His compassions fail not. And the idea of that word compassion is bowels. And in the Old Testament, the bowels were the seat of emotion. And the idea then of this word is a tenderness for a pitiable object. And as it were, when God sees the misery of his people, his heart goes out to them. His bowels are moved for them. And so God's compassion then is that 
depth of tender feeling that Jehovah has for us in our misery. And Jehovah has these, mercy and compassion, he has these in abundance. We read of these in the plural. It is of the Lord's mercies, plural, and his compassions, plural, feel not. We ought not think then, beloved, of Jehovah God as some unfeeling, uncaring, unconcerned deity in the heavens. That's not how God reveals himself to us in Holy Scripture. That's not how God reveals himself to us in his Son, Jesus Christ. He delights to show mercy. He is abundant in compassion. He delights in and rejoices over his people. He is moved within his very being when he sees his people in misery. More than that, Jehovah is also faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. Faithfulness in the Old Testament is the same as truth. And truth in the Old Testament has the idea of something that is stable or firm or solid. If something is true, it is something that you can trust. It is faithful. You can, as it were, lean upon that thing, and that thing will not move. God is the God of truth. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. You can trust him. He will do exactly what he said he would do. He will always keep his word. He will always be true to his promises. He will never betray his people. He is faithful. And that makes him unique. Because only Jehovah is faithful in the absolute sense. Some men and women are utterly faithless. Some men and women are sometimes faithful, but they often fail. But Jehovah alone is always perfectly faithful. He is the one true and living God, the maker of heaven and earth, our God for the sake of Jesus Christ. He is faithful, first of all, to himself. He never wills anything. He never does anything except that which will serve his own glory. He's faithful to himself. He is committed to his own glory in all things. He can never be deflected or turned away from seeking his own glory. He's faithful also to himself in that he's faithful to his own counsel. He has a counsel. He has a plan for all things, and he is always faithful to that counsel. And he's faithful to his promises, 
which he makes according to that counsel. And therefore, Jehovah never promises anything that he cannot or will not accomplish. Because behind his promise stand his almighty power and his unfailing faithfulness. And therefore, since God has said, I am Jehovah, I am your God, for the sake of Jesus Christ, we know that he will be faithful to that promise to be our God and to be the God of our children after us in our generations. He is faithful. He has made these exceedingly precious covenant promises. I am your God, and he meant it, and he is faithful to it. He's the God of mercy. He's the God of compassion. He's the God of faithfulness. And as Jeremiah thinks about God and thinks about his mercy and his compassion and his faithfulness, he is reminded of several important and comforting facts about these attributes of God. First, his compassions fail not. Think of a fountain of water. It dries up. One day it fails. Think of a supply of bread used up. One day it fails. Think of a treasure spent. One day it fails. Jehovah's compassions fail not. There will never be a day, beloved, when we will say, today, finally, Jehovah's compassions have failed. They were good while they lasted. I enjoyed them while they lasted. But today they have finally failed. They have come to an end. Jehovah's compassions fail not. They cannot fail because they are Jehovah's compassions and therefore they can never fail because he is the almighty God whose compassions are everlasting. We must remember that when we are tempted to put our trust in the creature because about the creature we can always say this, it fails. Money fails. At the end of the month, perhaps, money fails. At the end of the year, money fails. An unexpected expense, money fails, or money loses its value because of inflation. Money fails. Everything in the world that we seek to put our trust in will fail. People fail us too. Family, friends, fail. We put our trust in them for a time. They hurt our feelings. They wrong us in some way. They betray us. They leave us. And eventually every human being that we have in our life will die and leave us behind. They'll fail. 
And then we'll fail too because we are going to die too. We cannot avoid death. Death will come for all of us. We try to cling to that life, but death will take us into eternity. Everything except Jehovah fails. Second about Jehovah's mercies, they are new every morning. New every morning. If you are a child of God, beloved, you wake up every morning to new mercies. Every morning, Jehovah looks upon you in his compassion. Every morning, Jehovah says about you, today I will have mercy on you. Every morning, Jehovah draws out new mercies from those inexhaustible depths of compassion and mercy. Every morning, he pardons our sins. Every morning, he gives us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Every morning, he gives us the Holy Spirit and gives us grace and strength to live another day. Jehovah's mercies then are like the miracle of the widow's meal In 1 Kings 17, remember Elijah, he goes to the house of the widow of Zarephath. We read, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Every morning there was a fresh supply of grain and oil And how much more is that not true of Jehovah? Every morning, a fresh supply of mercy, a fresh supply of compassion from Jehovah our God. And how different then, beloved, are the mercies and compassions of Jehovah, which never fail, which are new every morning, How different are these to our mercy and compassion that we show to others? Here's Jehovah in Hosea 6 verse 4 describing his people. O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as a morning cloud. And as the early dew, it goeth away. Here is the goodness of Ephraim, the goodness of Israel in the Old Testament. It's like a morning cloud. It's like the early dew. It disappears quickly in the hot sun. We find it difficult to be merciful for a whole day. We might have an idea as we wake up in the morning. Today, I'm going to be merciful. Today, I'm going to show compassion to my spouse, to my children, to my siblings. And very quickly, we become angry. And very quickly, we are cruel to one another. And very quickly, we are malicious and we hold grudges against one another. But Jehovah's mercies are new every morning, so that he is 
always filled with compassion toward us. He never cuts us off. He never says to us, now finally, after all the times that I've put up with you and forgiven you in the past, finally, my mercy has come to an end. Not so. Not so with the mercy and compassion of Jehovah our God. And then third, there's the greatness of Jehovah's faithfulness. His compassions fail not. His mercies are new every morning. And great is thy faithfulness. How great, beloved, is your faithfulness? How faithful are you in your marriage, to your children, to your parents, to your siblings, to your fellow church members? How faithful are you to your promises, your commitments, your duties? If someone observed your life in the home or the workplace or the church, would he say about you, great is that man's or that woman's faithfulness? Or would they say, little is that man or woman's faithfulness? Or occasionally that person is faithful, or he was faithful once, perhaps a long time ago. I can remember an example where he was faithful But Jehovah, about him we can say, great is thy faithfulness. He's always faithful. He's always true. He keeps his word. His word never fails. Everything he says will come to pass, comes to pass. Everything he promises, he fulfills. And that's true despite our unfaithfulness. God does not cast away his people because they have sinned against him, but he continues to be faithful to his people and he works in his people by the Spirit so that they are more and more faithful to him. And Jehovah then is the perfect husband. We read this in the marriage vow that we take on earth, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death us do part. And what do we give Jehovah? We give him the worse. We give him the poorer. We give him the sickness. And yet he is always Faithful to us. Great is thy faithfulness. An everlasting, unchanging, unchangeable faithfulness. And his compassions fail not. And his mercies are new every morning. It's striking, beloved, where this text is found. You might not think to find a text like this in a book called Lamentations. 
But Jeremiah makes this confession about Jehovah's mercies and Jehovah's compassions and Jehovah's faithfulness while he sits on the rubble of Jerusalem. The book of Lamentations, beloved, is not a happy book. It's about destruction. The theme of this book is destruction. Jeremiah, as he writes this, has experienced the dreadful consequences of Judah's not listening to the word of God that he had brought. Remember, Jeremiah is the last of the Old Testament prophets to prophesy before the coming of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians to Jerusalem. And Jeremiah had seen visions and had given prophecies concerning what was going to happen. And he had warned the people that they must turn from their sin. They must repent of their idolatry. And the Babylonians would come, he said, and destroy the city. And the people had refused to listen. And so Jeremiah is often called the weeping prophet. He wept for the nation. He knew what was coming. And then when the judgment comes, which he had prophesied, he's not sitting in his study in an ivory tower watching this dispassionately. He's there. He's in Jerusalem when the Babylonians come. And what he sees is brutality, atrocity, and devastation. The Babylonians spared neither the old nor the young nor those with child. The Babylonians were cruel and ruthless. Think of modern warfare. Think of a city which has been bombed. Think of what's going on perhaps today in the Ukraine with war there. Think of the devastation and the barbarism and the cruelty. And then think of something much worse. Because these people, the Babylonians, were much worse than modern soldiers. They showed no pity They showed no compassion. They were ruthless in their attacks upon their enemies. And Jeremiah describes some of this in the book of Lamentations. There is widespread starvation in the city. There was a siege. There was the drying up of the food supply. And the people were so desperate for food that they began to eat one another, even cooking and eating their own children. And there was disease, dead corpses, starving people contributing to the spread of disease. And yet, as he looks upon all of this devastation and experiences all of this devastation, he has this confession. He says, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is 
thy faithfulness. And now ask yourself the question, beloved, would I respond that way if I were in Jeremiah's shoes? If the city in which I lived had been reduced to rubble, if many, many people had been put to death and destroyed, would I have this as my confession? And worse than that, worse than the physical destruction of Jeremiah's life, is the significance of all of this. This is the destruction, beloved, of the Old Testament church. Remember, the ten tribes of the northern kingdom have been destroyed generations earlier to this. This is the only church in the Old Testament, Judah, centered in Jerusalem. And the Babylonians come, and they kill, and they capture, and they mistreat God's people. They triumph over God's inheritance, it seems. God's priests are led away into captivity or put to death. God's king is blinded and carried away in chains. And then the temple is destroyed. The Babylonians did not spare even the temple. God's holy land where God dwelled with his people is defiled. God's city which had God's name is devastated. God's house, the temple, is ruined. And that means then that there is no public worship of God. No sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins can be offered. No singing of God's praises could take place. No intercession at the altar of incense could occur. This means that the coming of the promised Messiah seems very unlikely. The line of David is well nigh wiped out. God's people are in a heathen land. How then could God's covenant promise and God's kingdom be accomplished? And yet, says Jeremiah, great is Jehovah's faithfulness, his compassions fail not, his mercy is new every morning. And then remember, all of this described in the book of Lamentations, all of this comes because of God's wrath. And Jeremiah, who represents here God's remnant, knows this. He knows that the reason for all of this is the sin that Judah had committed and from which she had refused to turn. Verse 1 says, I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. As it were, God as a father is angry with his disobedient children, has taken his rod and has given his children a beating. He's chastising them. And yet, Jeremiah says, Great is Jehovah's faithfulness. His compassions 
fail not. His mercies are new every morning. We have to ask ourselves, do we believe that? Do we confess that? Do we live according to that truth? Our recent history as a denomination and even as a congregation here has brought to us affliction, trial. There has been schism in our denomination. Do we still say, after all that we have been through as churches, do we still say, Jehovah's mercies fail not. His mercy is new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. There are times, of course, when it's easy for us to confess the truth of the text. Good days, days of great joy, days when things happen in our lives that bring us great pleasure. We wake up in the morning, the sun is shining, all is good in our life, and we say, His compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is Jehovah's faithfulness. But we also must confess this, beloved, when everything seems to go wrong as soon as we wake up. When sickness comes, when bereavement comes, when misery comes into our life, we must also be able to confess, great is Jehovah's faithfulness. And by God's grace, Jeremiah was able to confess this. And by God's grace, we can and we do confess this. What then is the demonstration of this compassion, this mercy, this faithfulness of God? What does Jeremiah think about as he confesses this? It's not that we have an easy life. A life without afflictions, a life without trials. If the book of Lamentation teaches us anything, it is this, that God's mercy, compassion, and faithfulness are not incompatible with affliction. Judah was chastised in God's mercy, in God's compassion, because of God's faithfulness. Because God was faithful to Judah, he put her through this terrible trial and affliction because, beloved, the alternative to this destruction of Jerusalem was worse. To allow her to go on in her sin so that she would perish in her idolatry in impenitence was much worse than Jehovah sending the rod of his anger upon the nation to destroy the reprobate and to chastise the elect remnant. But here, beloved, is the demonstration that Jeremiah calls to mind. Verse 22, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not 
consumed. Jeremiah looks at the devastation of his own life. He looks at the devastation of Jerusalem. And his conclusion is, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. To consume is to swallow up. And this word consumed means to be finished. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not finished. And that's wonderful, of course, because they deserved to be consumed. They deserved to be finished. They deserved that Jehovah would say to them, you are a stiff-necked, incorrigibly wicked, sinful people, and you're now finished. Finished. But God promised through the same prophet Jeremiah that they are not finished, that they are not consumed, that God would one day restore them. Even after 70 years, he would restore them. And because God is merciful and compassionate and faithful, God keeps his promises and we are not consumed. We too, beloved, are not consumed. We go through many trials, many afflictions. We are not consumed. We are not finished. We are not finished as God's people. We will never be consumed or finished because God has promised that we are his elect people whom he loves, whom Christ redeemed on the cross, and we will never, therefore, be finished. That's true despite the fact that every day we provoke God to consume us. As it were, we are disobedient children who say to our Father, I dare you, I dare you to destroy me. And yet God in his mercy, in his pity, in his faithfulness says, I will not destroy you. I will not consume you. You will not be finished. Why? The ultimate reason, beloved, is Christ. Christ. God did not consume or destroy or finish Judah because he had promised to send Jesus Christ. Christ must come, and in his mercy and compassion and faithfulness, Christ does come. Christ is the fulfillment of God's promise. And when Christ comes, he is consumed. As it were, he is swallowed up by God's wrath as all of our sins are placed upon Jesus Christ and the wrath of God falls upon Jesus Christ and Christ is, as it were, consumed. He's consumed in our place. And because Christ was consumed, we are not consumed. We will never come to an end as God's people. That's where we see 
beloved, God's unfailing compassion, God's great faithfulness toward us. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. That's our confession. That's our hope. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we are amazed at thy glory, the glory of thy mercy, thy compassion, thy faithfulness. We confess, O Father, that we deserve to be finished as thy people, and yet thou art faithful to thy promise that thou wilt not destroy thy people for whom Christ died. Enable us, O Father, to confess this, even in the midst of trials. And may we also reflect thy mercy and faithfulness in our own lives, for Christ's sake. Amen.